Hello and welcome back to Bush History. I'm David Bush and this is my ongoing series on pivotal Supreme Court decisions. You can get additional information at my website www.bushhistory.net that is B-U-S-C-H-I-S-T-O-R-Y.net. Today we're talking about Brown versus the Board of Education, Topeka, Kansas, 1954. Certainly one of the most famous Supreme Court decisions and an incredibly controversial and interesting outcome at the beginning of the Civil Rights Movement with Brown in 1954 and Rosa Parks in 1955, the Civil Rights Movement from a modern perspective, is off to the races. So, let's get some background on Brown. In 1896, with Plessy v. Ferguson, the Supreme Court upheld the idea of separate but equal. Well, ever since that decision in 1896, groups have been trying to overturn that decision, have it reversed. And finally, we're going to come to Brown, and Brown will be successful in that endeavor. But let's do some background. Linda Brown, that was her name, she was six years old at the time, she grew up in a mixed neighborhood in uh, Topeka, Kansas. There were white children and there were black children. There were Hispanic children in the neighborhood. And she played with them. She played with them on a regular basis. Her school, unfortunately, was 20 blocks away. That was a school for black children. The white children the Hispanic children went to the school that was a block and a half away. So each year when school began, she was separated from her friends, and that was something, according to her mother, that really bothered her. A quote from her mother uh, goes like this. She was always sad year after year when it was time for school that she had to go one way and her playmates the other way. That was uh, Mrs. Brown. Mrs. Brown's husband, her, his name was Oliver, Oliver was asked to set up this lawsuit with an attorney by the name of Charles Scott to test the idea of separate but equal. And initially, Oliver wasn't interested because he didn't want a lot of the notoriety he thought that would come from it, and he actually thought it was kind of dangerous. But Charles Smith persuaded him, and Oliver agreed. Oliver took Linda, who's seven years old now, to Sumner Elementary School, which was a white school not far from her home. And she waited outside, and her dad went inside, and he attempted to register her for school, and he couldn't. And... It was known that he wasn't able to do this, but he wanted something in writing, and the NAACP wanted something in writing, so he departed with a piece of paper that basically said, this is a whites-only school. And so begins the long journey on the road to Brown versus the Board of Education. Another quote about this is, uh, the truth is said that Linda was a little kid, said Mrs. Brown. She was seven years old and playing, and she didn't think anything about any of this except that she wanted to be with her friends. Now enters Thurgood Marshall and the NAACP. Thurgood Marshall was the head of the legal team for Brown. He had been a civil rights lawyer for quite a while. He worked for the NAACP for quite a while and was actively working to overturn separate but equal but they needed a case. They needed a test case that would really catch the public's attention and really interest the court. So the lawsuit was joined by suits from other states, from Delaware, South Carolina, Carolina, Virginia, and Washington, and it became known as an omnibus suit and was titled Brown versus the Board of Education simply because Brown was the first name alphabetically in this group of plaintiffs. The goal was to overturn Plessy and separate but equal. 
Institutions for years have been forced to provide these separate facilities. However, when they provided these separate facilities, they were continually costly. And that had been the tact of the NAACP, to make these separate facilities so costly that they would relent and eventually we would have integration. Now what happens is, we're going to need a strategy. The NAACP is going to need a strategy for Thurgood Marshall to show that separate is not equal, regardless of how much the school district may try. And this is the doll story. Some uh, research had been done using dolls and how black children looked at dolls. And it goes like this. Proving the separate could never be equal was Marshall's challenge. The only way was to prove that a child attending all black schools could never feel equal to a white child. A lot of research was done. It was found in the 1940s. Kenneth and Mamie Clark, these were psychologists, they conducted a series of experiments to test how black children felt in segregated environments. And the test went like this. Four dolls were used, identical except for color, to test children's racial perceptions. Their subjects were children between the age of three to seven and were asked to identify both the race of the dolls and which color they prefer. The tests were performed in multiple locations throughout the South and even some in the North. A majority of the children preferred the white doll and assigned positive characteristics to it. It's prettier, it's handsomer, I like it better, it's smarter, things along those lines. The Clarks concluded that prejudice, discrimination, and segregation created a feeling of inferiority among African-American children. In particular instance for Dr. Clark, he was conducting experiments in Arkansas, and he asked a little black child about why he chose a certain doll. The child responded by smiling and pointing to the brown doll and said, that's a nigger. I'm a nigger. Dr. Clark was certainly dismayed at this, and he couldn't believe that this had actually occurred. And he realized then at this point he was really on to something, but he didn't know what he would do with the research. So the Brown team went further. And once they had found Clark's research, they also got testimonies from other social scientists, psychologists, psychiatrists, and the like, to see if this doll test really held up. And most concluded that it did. The Supreme Court, in its decision, cited Clark's 1950 paper in its Brown decision and acknowledged it implicitly in the following passage, and this is another quote. To separate African-American children from others of similar age and qualifications solely because of their race generates a feeling of inferiority as to their status in the community that may affect their hearts and minds in a way unlikely ever to be undone. Dr. Clark was a little dismayed, though, because his research also stated that racism was detrimental to American society and was also ingrained in society. Well, along the way... President Eisenhower had given Chief Justice Warren marching instructions that regardless of the decision, he wanted the decision to be unanimous. He wanted no daylight in the decision. He wanted no rule, no room, I should say, for possible appeal and overturning of the decision down the road. He got his decision. He got a nine-to-nothing decision basically saying that separate could never be equal, and here we go. But now what would happen with Brown versus the Board of Education? Now that the Supreme Court had ruled that separate could never be equal, they instructed the states to come up with plans for integration. And this is 1954. And the states did nothing. So now we go into 1955, and the states still did nothing. And now we have what is called Little Brown. Little Brown was revisiting the Brown decision, and in this time, 
Felix Frankfurter, Judge Felix Frankfurter, told states to act with all deliberate speed in overturning this injustice in American society. States still did what they wanted to. And then certainly 1955 was Little Brown, 1955 was also Rosa Parks. 1957, we're going to get the Little Rock Nine. And even though Brown versus the Board of Education had overturned Plessy and it ruled that separate but equal was not legal, it was still going to be years until real progress was made in the civil rights movement of the 1960s. For now, I'm David Bush, and this is Bush History. Have a great day.